a guy who knows a thing or two about the Aces and all things Las Vegas, my man, Sam, the man, Gordon, was shaking. TC, how you doing? Happy Tuesday. Appreciate you having me on the show. Hey, I appreciate you joining us, man. So, uh, Sam, how often are you getting out to the Michelob Ultra Arena, man? I'm missing you. I mean, you got to come and join me for these some half times. I will be there Thursday. Big one against the New York Liberty, huh? Book it. Book it. My halftime guest has been booked. There it is. You saved me a lot of work. You know? <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm looking forward to it already. All right. So what's your take on the Aces so far, man? We talk a lot uh, about the Aces, of course, in this show. They're now 13-1, six in a row. Uh, average margin of victory in this win streak, Sam, 20 points per contest. Uh, what do you think, man? Uh, I think I'm watching. I think we are collectively watching the greatest team ever assembled. In WNBA history, TC, I, I think uh, statistically they fit that profile. I mean, they were obliterating records for offensive efficiency, for net rating. You just mentioned how dominant they've been on this winning streak. And, and then, you know, from an test standpoint, you bet everything that you see backs it up, right? You have the best player in the league in Asia Wilson, the best point guard in Chelsea Gray, the best two-way player, two-way wing player, Jackie Young, who's a, a becoming a superstar in her own right, you have Kelsey Plum, who was just uh, first team all WNBA last season, and is the yeah, you can make the case she's the best microwave scorer uh, in the league. You have Candace Parker, who fits in and does all. You know, she's just been a seamless fit as she gets more and more comfortable. We know all the things that she does well. You have the best three and D wing coming off the bench in terms of reserves, and Alicia Clark, and the best backup big in the league now, and Kia Stokes, plus the best coach in Becky Hammond. It's the what we've seen so far is I think exactly. What, what I expected, I wrote a column for the paper going into the season that this is the most talented team of all time, and it's up to them to determine if they're going to go down as the greatest team of all time, and they're coming out and handling their business. So it's it's been um, it's been an incredible start to the season. I think Thursday um, it will be fun for sure. Just it's, it's a, in a team in the Liberty with we know the firepower they possess. I think the, the biggest challenge for the Aces, and again they've answered the call, is how do you get up? For every single game, when you're this dominant, when you're this talented, when you're this good, they really only have to play a good six-minute stretch or so, you know, throughout the course of the game to build separation. And, and oftentimes, it's a lot better than just one six-minute stretch. So, will be really interesting to see uh, how much the Liberty push them. But, but so far through 14 games, you see, this is the best team. Uh, you know, dating back historically, this is the best. This is the best uh, assemblance of talent and the best basketball team so far that we've seen in the WNBA's history. They have a, they have to obviously win the title to finish that job, but but that potential is right there, and and they've just been so good. Uh, can beat you in so many different ways, inside, outside, uh, spread, pick and roll, transition, post ups, whatever. They have the personnel to to play any kind of style and really do whatever they want. That's what they've done in the entire WNBA so far. Couple of points uh, on that, uh, Sam, is that you know I remember that article that you wrote in the beginning, uh, you know, talking about the the fantastic uh, potential this team had, uh, one of the great, you know, could be one of the greatest of all time, and they're showing that right now. And I don't think I've, I've heard anybody actually say it like you said it. It's like, hey, I think I, I this is the greatest team of all time, and you can go back to those Houston Comet. Uh, teams that won, you know, the first four championships. Uh, there were some, some great teams, LA Sparks teams back in the day as yep. well, too. Minnesota Lynx, you can say that, but you're right. This, this team is phenomenal. Um, they are outstanding. And, um, when you're talking about a team that's 13 and one, I agree. So you, you're spot on. And like I said, you didn't even mention like Raquana Williams. And when she gets back, you talk about microwave. I mean, that's what her role is. So you add her to the mix 
And then, you know, if they stay relatively healthy free, there's no stopping this team. No, absolutely not, TC. And let's not forget how good Raquan Williams was in, in, in the postseason. Yes. How many big shots she hit and how she was the X factor. This team, I mean, she was the, the top reserve last year, really the only reserve. And now when she gets back, you're legitimately eight deep with Kirsten Bell continuing to develop uh, her game as well. We've seen kind of flashes from her. So, you know, by the end of the season, perhaps they're nine deep. It's, it's, they're just, they're loaded. It's just everywhere again, TC. You can play any style, any circumstance, depth, shooting, uh, interior post play, perimeter play, slashing, cutting. I mean, this is what we're seeing. Um, I mean, offense, defense, two way play. I mean, we are seeing, again, we're in the midst of watching history, provided the, the aces stay relatively injury free and they're so deep they can even, you know, afford an injury. Not that anybody wants that or anything, but because of the depth. Like you mentioned, they've, you know, they're, they're able to absorb an injury, but provided that they say injury free, uh, the, the, the record that they want to have, I don't want to, you know, undermine or, or, or underestimate the rest of the league, but it feels like the only team that could really stop them is themselves when they don't put together a, a full game or even, you know, a majority of a game. But, but again, they've, they've come out so far. They've done that. They've, they've weathered storms. They've had dominant performances. They've executed in crunch time. There's been so many games where it doesn't even come down to crunch time. Um, even more, I think, dominant than the team that I thought they would be uh, coming into the season. So now, uh, again, Thursday, huge game. The other quote-unquote super team uh, in the league, the New York Liberty, Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, the best rivalry, you know, kind of player rivalry in basketball that we have going on right now, and now it's by coastal. So uh, I'm expecting an absolutely raucous environment at, at Mikko Balcho Arena. The, the crowd is the crowds this season have been fantastic. I saw story on LV Sports Biz that the attendance numbers are way up this year, and that's that, that's a byproduct of the, of the team that the Aces have put forth. They put forth, they are putting forth the best basketball team, again, in WNBA history, and uh, as the defending champions, and, and, and the crowd the crowds of Las Vegas has responded. The crowds have been great. So, uh, expecting another Rockets one Thursday, and again, maybe the first true measuring stick game um, that we're going to get for the Aces this season. Sam Gordon, fine columnist with the Las Vegas Review Journal, and we always talk about this, Sam, that you cover everything here. I want you just to expand a little bit more here because there'll be some people say that I'm a little bit skewed. Okay. Because being with the organization calling the games and, and that sort of thing, I, I get that, but there are still some, I'm going to, I'm going to say some, I'm not going to say all, I'm not going to say a majority. I'll say some media people that still maybe are not giving the aces that much love. They don't understand the league. There are still those sports fans that maybe have not seen a game or don't watch a game or don't want to watch a game. And they don't understand the magnitude of this team and this league, the rich history of this league of 27 years. What would you say as kind of being that guy, Sam, in the middle, the guy who covers all sports, what would you want to say to fans that still are maybe either kind of pushing the aces under the rug or not giving them the, the, the love that they, they deserve. How do you put it in context for people who are not hip to what's going on with this team? Well, it's, I mean, I think just again, the, the brand of basketball that they play is beautiful for, for, for people who like watching the game be played the right way with teamwork, with passing, with cutting, with sharing, with, with adjustments, with all those things. Uh, th- that's how the aces play. And the environment at games is, is beyond, it's, it's not just a game. I mean, I think it's a credit to the, the, the production staff, everybody, you know, the aces, whoever they work with, whoever they contract uh, with, and, and obviously their own just kind of understanding of the market of Las Vegas that 
fans come. It's, it's an entertainment experience. I mean, the, the crowds are, are often awesome. The, the, the in-game promotions are very much uh, thematically based around the, the, the team and the city and whatnot and are very, very good at, at kind of engaging the fans. And the, it's, it's just, I mean, it is the it's world-class basketball. It's the best basketball players in the world, literally for the Aces, right? We just kind of at the top of my segment, TC, talked about how many of the quote-unquote best the Aces have on their team, right? They have so many great players, a great coach. Uh, they, they play the game the right way. And it's, you know, for fans, uh, I think it, the, the fans that come anyway sure seem to have a great time. I mean, that, there is a legitimate home court advantage that I think really started to develop. I mean, it's been there to a certain degree, TC, since the team got here in 2018. But last year in the postseason, I mean, th- those crowds were unbelievable. Uh, just how loud and how enthusiastic they they are. That's translated over to this regular season. So it's it's a it's a fan friendly environment. It's world class basketball, and whoever goes to games and sees this team play. Again, we'll see the graded what I believe when, after the season when it's all said and done and when we get 15, 20, 30 years removed from this and have a little bit more context to understand how historically special this team is when you factor in the greatness of the players uh, and the coaching staff involved. So they, they have, uh, it's, they're, they're, again, barring a series of significant injuries, they should toast to their second straight championship and and uh, it, it really have helped set, I think, the, the, the tone here for this city uh, about you know what what basketball what the WNBA can be uh, at the highest of levels. There it is. All right, Sam. Let's uh, talk a little Raiders here. As we know, uh, you know, training camp is oh about four or five weeks away here. Um, Josh Jacobs, all right, sends out a yeah. cryptic tweet last week saying bad business. Uh, we know that he's not happy, but he's going to get paid handsomely. You got the Jimmy Garoppolo situation where, you know, he's recuperating, not sure when and if he's going to be ready. Well, even though he will be ready uh, eventually, but, uh, now there's talk that Josh Jacobs actually could hold off, uh, hold out of training camp, uh, and maybe even go into week one of the regular season with the uh, contract negotiations. Uh, give me your thoughts about where the Raiders are specifically with these two elements right now as we sit here. Getting ready for training camp. Yeah, TC. First, let's, we'll touch on the, the the kind of Josh Jacobs, his situation, um, where where things are at. Right, you touched on it. Just again, a little bit of context. He led the NFL in rushing last year. First team All Pro, graded out. You know, you go to the advanced metrics. He was the best running back in the league in 2022. Been relatively durable. One of the most productive players uh, on the team. His, his the, the entirety of his tenure going back. Uh, to 2019, and also somebody who, who emerged, I think, really last season as a leader in the locker room and was uh, was a, was named a captain towards the end of the season. So that that's kind of you know contextually where where things are at from his perspective, from his side. You go to the Raiders, where they were six and eleven last season with Josh Jacobs having a career year, and where they're at, it's it's kind of a I mean metaphorical, not even metaphorical. It's a representation. Of, of the, of the, the, the predicament and the plight of the, the running back in the modern era. Uh, this isn't 1970 or 1980. Having great individual running backs does not drive winning anymore. It just doesn't. Look at who the Chiefs had. Look at who Philadelphia had. Those are more so systems predicated on, on the offensive line, on the structure of the offense, as opposed to having a first or first round running back or a top five, top three running back in the NFL. That is the focal point of the offense. I say all that to say, I understand both sides of this, TC. You're a running back. Josh Jacobs is 25 years old. The lifespans of running backs are super, super short. The way he used, the way he was used last season, 
the wear and tear that the Raiders put on him, he wants to be compensated. He proved he could handle that. He played as well as pretty much any running back in any single season in Raiders history has ever played. Like, if I was him, I'd want every dollar that I could possibly get. I would want a long-term contract. I would want guaranteed money. You know, I would want to be guaranteed on the higher end of running back salaries. Those those wants and his ass, those are totally legitimate. Like, if, if you were his agent, you'd be trying to get every dollar that you can, too, especially when you have seen kind of the precedent for, for running backs and, and what, what teams, what, what top running backs have been paid the last three years. Conversely, if you're the Raiders, again, going back to what I just said, they were 6-11 and 11 with Josh Jacobs as their franchise running back and constructing a good offensive line and finding quality running backs in the third, fourth, fifth round that are relatively cheap, that's the way to go. That's the way that a lot of the top teams do it, do it. So you understand from their perspective the trepidation of giving Josh Jacobs a long-term contract. It seems like they're just kind of in a staring match. And again, I get both sides. I feel for Josh Jacobs. He's earned, he's earned a long-term deal. There's no denying that, and he should be compensated for what he's done and what he's provided for the organization. At the same time, like, is that good business for the Raiders? Is it smart for them, given the needs that they have on the defensive side of the ball, how far they are from competing for a championship? Is it prudent for them to give long-term guaranteed money to a running back when they could feasibly, you know, construct a a really good offensive line and find ways to place his, replace his production, uh, for, for, for less? We'll see if this. We'll see if and when the staring contest ends. They they place the franchise tag on Josh Jacobs, ten point one million dollars. That's a that's that's a half. That's that's a nice payday yep. uh, for a running back for one season. Problem is, if he gets hurt and has a career-ending injury, there's no stability on that, and that might be it. That might be his last payday if he signs it. So totally understandable why these sides are where they're at. And I don't. I mean, as of right now, I don't envision the leaders giving him long-term money. And as we saw Tom Pelissero's report today from NFL Network, yep. Josh Jacobs holds out, holds out. This thing, I think, can get pretty ugly. So uh, it's a case of both sides are right in their ways of thinking. Like, both sides are absolutely 100% right. And it's been, it'll make for an interesting uh, kind of subplot as training camp gets going. Uh, as it pertains to Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, if he's healthy, TC, it's a big if. Uh, if he's healthy and, again, Josh Jacobs, they find a way to get this thing done and he's back. You have the makings of a pretty pretty rock solid offense, I, I think, with Devontae Adams on the perimeter, with uh, Jacoby Myers now on the slot, with Hunter Renfro. You have Matthew Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame, along with Austin Hooper. They're not Darren Waller, but can they give you some of what Darren Waller did? Can you replace that production? And then Garoppolo being able to distribute, get the ball out quickly, familiar with Josh McDaniels' system. Uh, there's a world in which the Raiders, are, I think, were one of the top ten offensive teams uh, in the league, but if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't healthy, and we, we, you know, everything from the Raiders side from both sides seems like there's nobody's worried. He did sign the contract, as, as weird as it is, he signed it. That's obviously a bet on himself. If he passes his physical, uh, again, regardless, I don't, I'm not saying the Raiders are going to be really good as a whole because the, the defense is, who knows, it's going to be really young and it's been really bad to begin with. So I can't imagine the defense totally retooling. I don't think the Raiders are a playoff team this year by any means, but on the offensive side of the ball. You, you you could give yourself a chance to maybe compete if Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy because of the weapons they have. So a lot to a lot to kind of follow and pay attention to as we get into camp and just not a lot of answers available right now. But uh, if both those guys are available, again, TC, I think the Raiders, given their personnel, given Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo's familiarity uh, with the scheme, and then we'll see what Josh McDaniels learned from year one to year two in terms of you know his responsibilities as a head coach, how to get more out of the offense. They were solid last year. I think they finished. 11th or 12th, but it certainly didn't feel like smooth sailing 
all the time. So uh, a lot to kind of resolve and figure out by then. We'll see if it happens. Agree on all points, Sam. Great stuff, brother. I'll look forward to seeing you on Thursday. No doubt. See you Thursday, TC. Looking forward to it as well. Take care. Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out his columns. Fantastic covering all things Las Vegas.